Good morning, and welcome to We Ask Watson. I'm Jerry, and I'm an ambassador for Watson's Daily. And as usual, joining me today is Peter Watson. Good morning, Peter. Morning. So, Peter, what was your favourite story of today? Um, well, um, I thought that the story about Compass, which is the biggest, if or one of the biggest, um, catering companies in the world. Um, it uh, there, there was a very interesting piece about this in the Financial Times today, um, which was talking about Compass expecting um, long term effects of lockdown. So um, it was specifically um, it was saying that it expects white collar workers to work about two and a half days a week from home on average, um, which it says will cut its annual sales by about five percent. Now. Um, Compass, obviously, very big company. It um, does catering for offices, uh, schools, business, um, uh, care homes, uh, hospitals and things like that. Um, and uh, it says that it's going to concentrate possibly less on the office stuff and more on the schools, hospitals and care home stuff. But basically, the, um, the, the things that actually stay open um, in the event of a lockdown. Now, um, although this is just one company talking about uh, talking about this, I do think that in pretty much if you um, were an, if you're an investor and you were going round to companies at the moment, you would probably be asking them what their assumptions were in terms of um, uh, you know the trends in terms of uh, work employees uh, and things and how that is going to impact on on their earnings and so I think that although compass is just one company here, um, I think that this is going to um, affect every company that relies on um, a steady flow of office workers. Now, one example I've talked about for you know quite on quite a number of occasions um, is is Pret-a-Manger, for instance. So, Pret-a-Manger is doing the wrong thing in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, it's doing the wrong thing, i.e., making food, uh, you know, takeaway. You know, I suppose takeaway food is not that bad, but um, you know, making takeaway food um, for breakfast and lunchtime that is bad because, of course, people aren't going in. Um, and uh, it's making it um, for, for the wrong people. So um, employees obviously staying at home and uh, it's making uh, it's 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 exposed in the wrong in, in the wrong areas because um, it is very London focused. Um, and it means that, uh, you know, they, they just get hit on all sides. Um, yes, they've they recently they they've increased their dinner options. But I think that that's. I just don't think that's good. I just don't see that working potentially. So, um, so anyway, I think that um, you know, they are going to have to take into account or certainly factor into their future plans, um, you know, uh, concrete things like, you know, two and a half or two or three days uh, for people working from home for the foreseeable future and adjust their plans accordingly. Um any other companies as well, you know, companies that service offices um, doing cleaning. Well, cleaning, not so bad, but let's say things like laundry and, and, and stuff, you know, some of these kinds of places that service um, that service offices, again, might need to make uh, to um, take this kind of, uh, you know, take this kind of factor into account as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think that um, 
this is something that we are going to see more of as as we as we continue um and businesses are going to have to adjust accordingly uh in order to be able to minimize any kind of negative impact they get and probably pivot in order to be able to maximize any kind of uh any kind of upside um but uh, yeah that's what i would say in terms of today do you think compass is right to have this pessimistic outlook i know that firms are probably going to be more flexible with regard to homeworking. But I do think a lot of professions, especially in the services sector, do require face-to-face interaction. Um, and I think people will just be missing seeing their colleagues at the office. So when this whole lockdown ends, I think there might actually be a large shift in the opposite direction because so many people are that keen to get back into the office. Mm. Yeah, I think the init- uh, my expectations would be that the first wave, like when I think initially people are going to be you know, sprinting back to the office, wanting to just get that kind of, you know, that office buzz again, which you obviously can't get from home. But I think that once that subsides, I think that, um, you know, that they will see the benefits of working from home. And so more of a blended um, way of working um, is, I think, going to be the norm. Um you know, for, well, for the foreseeable future. But I, I also think for the long term, because, you know, this whole thing was, it's not an experiment. It's not something that, you know, every a company, the sort of thing that a company does just to see whether it works or not. You know, this has been the case now for quite some time. It's going to continue be, to be the case for a while. So actually, I think that people, there are frustration. I mean, the thing is, there are frustrations at working in an office as well as frustrations from working from home. Um, so I just think that, you know, as t- so initially, everyone's going to be high-fiving it and, you know, buying Quality Street for the office and, you know, buying birthday cake and stuff for people like they always do. But um, but after a while, I think that, you know, they're going to be mindful of going back home and, and you know, working from home. Um, I th- to be honest, I think it's going to be a much more intelligent way of work, intelligent and poten- a potentially efficient way of working for many people, not for all, but for many people. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, they that businesses that do the you know that support offices or white collar workers are going to have to um, take this into account for the longer term. That, like I say, there will be. I think they like you. I agree with you in that. I think there will be initial euphoria, um, and then after that, I think it will fade away. Interestingly, Compass has actually started offering home deliveries to adapt to this uh, remote working environment, uh, which yeah. puts it in competition with other food delivery services like Delivery and Just Eat. These companies have experienced quite a big boom during the lockdown, but I think in the wake of the recent vaccine announcements, Just Eat price, uh, share prices actually fell. Um, so do yeah. you think it's a good idea for Compass to be branching out like this in the long term? No, I think that this is something I personally think this is this is a short term fix and gets them some revenue in the door. But ultimately, you know, it's it's a much more competitive um, business you know the food delivery and i would have i would think that compass will want to just keep its nice contracts you know because that's the thing has contracts with i mean i i remember in my first funny enough in my first job out of university one of my uh, things is i had to negotiate contracts on behalf of or well, services contracts on behalf of 
the company, which is a real eye opener, I have to say. Um, but yeah, you include, in fact, I did, I did uh, take on Compass, in fact. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that, you know, that is a lucrative, that is a very lucrative market because you're sign, you're getting, you're getting businesses and schools and things to sign up for long periods of time for certain amounts of, of business essentially. Um, and you're kind of protected. Whereas um, if you're on the food delivery business, there's competition all over the place. You've got, it's difficult to tell where the business is always going to come from. So I think that uh, this is probably, I would, I would imagine just in my own mind, I would think that this is probably a temporary solution Whereas, um, but longer term, they, they really want to keep those contracts and keep them going, I think. Good points all around. Um, moving on to my <laughs> story. Uh, awesome. It was about India banning 43 more Chinese apps, including Alibaba's yep. online shopping service, AliExpress. Mm-hmm. Um, if you cast your mind back to June, you might remember news about a skirmish on the Himalayan border that resulted in the death of 21 Indian soldiers. And in the wake of this, India did ban a number of Chinese apps, most notably TikTok and WeChat. Um, interesting at the time, I think six of the top 10 most downloaded apps in China came from Chinese tech companies. So there were doubts about whether India would be able to persist with this line of action if the public sentiment went against them. Uh, but it seems like five months later, the Indian government has decided to stay on the same path and they've cited cybersecurity concerns. Do you really think this is about cybersecurity or are we still seeing retaliation for the border conflict? I think it's the latter. I mean, okay, there may there may be some there may be some concerns, but really, I think that's just that's just window dressing. Um, I think that they they are very much, uh, you know, there is there is a negative, there is an anti Chinese um, uh, sense is anti Chinese sentiment going on at the moment in India, and I think this is just an extension of that. I mean, I do think it's interesting though that they are that they decided an additional number because. You know, 200, uh, banning 200 apps sounds like quite a lot to me, especially the ones that are, you know, they are the ones that are that everyone uses. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But maybe, you know, again, maybe that could be it's 43. But how I actually there is a list, isn't there? There is a list of them in, in the Financial Times. But um, I don't know how much, you know, how major those 43 apps are. But even so, it's a psychological thing, and I think that it just, I suppose, puts keeps keeps the uh, keeps the um, relationship testy uh, between the two neighbours. You mentioned the anti-Chinese sentiment, and I think there's quite an interesting effect on helping domestic companies or Indian companies um, because they do have a chance to fill the gaps in the market left by these bans. I did mention yep. earlier that the public could have been opposed to these bans because um, of how prevalent Chinese-made apps are in India. But it seems like yeah. people have really put the country over their personal convenience. There's actually been quite a strong boycott China sentiment um, on Indian yeah. social media. And apparently people are posting videos of them smashing up Chinese products, um, which I guess has yeah. really bolstered the government's confidence. No. Interestingly, the, no. uh, one of the, when TikTok was banned, the app that, came to, that became the most popular substitute was also run by a Chinese company. But that's now being yeah. banned in this new wave. Um, so Indian yeah. startups should really be able to capitalize because... The government yeah. is just taking out all of its main competitors at this point. Yeah, yeah, no, a, a very, uh, very, very good points there. I mean, I do wonder, you know, I wonder what, whether the same thing will happen in China. You know, is there, what will there be if if there is um, more increasing anti-Chinese sentiments in India? Will there? 
you know, I, I'd be in, I don't know this. Uh, so I wonder whether there'll be anti-Indian sentiments in China um, at, at the same time. Um, and also whether there is going to be more pro-China, you know, so by domestic in China, because a lot of businesses are being increasingly turned away from overseas markets. Because, you know, I've often thought, you know, um, although, uh, you know, the Chinese, obviously the Chinese market is massive. And sometimes I do wonder whether does do Chinese companies, if they actually, you know, sorted out the back, their back door, you know, sorted out their domestic um, business, wouldn't that mean, you know, would they actually need um, to go to do that much um, overseas, especially when you consider how much um, uh, freedom, I mean, I suppose it's, it's getting less now, but how, <laughs> how much freedom um, uh, Chinese companies have with regards to developing in their own market. So, you know, versus, versus the, res- the massive restrictions they're facing elsewhere. Mm, I mean, you mentioned Chinese investors turned away from being turned away from overseas markets, so they're more likely to invest in domestic companies. I think maybe you can draw parallels between um, these anti, like the anti-Chinese measures in, in India, for example, requiring all new investments to be vetted by the government. Um, you can draw parallels between that and the UK's National Security and Investment Bill, which was announced a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Um, when yeah. you discuss that story, I think you mentioned that one of the downsides would be that there's less potential partners for companies that need the funding. Um, yeah. And since China has clearly identified India as having this massive growth potential and companies like Alibaba, I think, have already invested quite heavily in Indian companies. You think the same yeah. downside will apply to, to Indian startups? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, um, but then again, you see, I think the, the, the I'm not say in the UK, I would say, I mean, UK, very mature market, you know, there's that going on right so <clears throat> so but i think the the difference between that and say india is india is seen by most governments and things as a massive growth potential so taking out chinese potential chinese partners means that there is going to be one less major player but i still think there's but i think that other companies are going to see more see that that is more of an opportunity so actually they're either going to increase their offers and things uh, and or the amount of activity over there as well i mean that whole thing with um sort of go- is google wasn't it who who um said they were investing something like 10 billion uh dollars mm. in india over i've forgotten the next five years or something and they they already put up uh, put a whole load in so I mean, I think actually this, if, if anyone's going to do well out of this, it will probably be the Americans, I would have thought, because um, because of their links with with India and because of the strength of their particular industries, which which I would imagine would slot in quite nicely with um, the areas that India wants to uh, improve its performance in. It's definitely an interesting example of how political conflicts can definitely affect commercial news. Um, is there anything yeah. else you wanted to add? Uh, no, not really. Um, no, I think that's we'll 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 call it a day there. But um, but thank you very much indeed for your time. No problem. Talk to you again tomorrow. See Bye. you then. Bye. Bye.